The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Okay, welcome along to another Red Agenda, a very special Red Agenda. I mean, how special are this Liverpool side at the moment? Blows the mind, doesn't it? Sensational scenes at Old Trafford. The Reds dish out a mighty hammering against Manchester United. And James Pearce and Simon Hughes still have the smile on their face. Let's get into it. James, you were there, you lucky man. It is one of those games that people in the future will say, I was there. <laughs> yeah, I feel very fortunate, Steve. It was, um, yeah, I've, you know, you, you try and wrap your brains after something like that when you're driving back along the M62 and think, have I seen anything quite like it? And I was, I was struggling to be honest. You know, I was there for the, you know, the the famous what was it, four one under Rafa Benitez, and then you know you think about the three nil under Brendan Rodgers uh, during that title challenging season of thirteen fourteen, where you know that was total domination, but. This was on a whole different planet. I mean, to to go to Old Trafford and win five nil, and you know, having effectively declared after, you know, after the red card, really the game, you know, was, you know, United were just in damage limitation mode. Liverpool looked like they were quite happy to knock it around and conserve energy. You know, it was, it was, um, yeah, just absolutely, you know, it was it was history in the making. That was the you know. It's, for Mo Salah as well to become the the first Liverpool player to score a hat trick there since Fred Howe in 1936. It was, you know, it's been it's been such a big focus as well on United's, you know, obviously the the, the huge problems that they've got. But let's let's not take anything away from the absolute brilliance of this Liverpool team because um, it's one thing facing an opponent that's vulnerable; it's another putting them to the sword in such a in such an <laughs> an emphatic manner. It goes down in the history books, Sai and. I'm not sure there'll ever be a win like that again. Such was the margin. No, I can't see it. Um, I mean, J- James touched on the, the 2014 victory there, um, where the, Liverpool actually created more chances on that day, if you remember. And David De Gea had one of the best goalkeeping performances I think I've ever seen. It was a really strange game in that sense. It was total and utter domination from Liverpool on that day. I'd say this game was, was slightly different in that Liverpool were far more ruthless in attack. Um, but um, obviously surrendered one or two chances to United as well. Uh, you know, Alison Becker had to be on form to, to, to deliver the clean sheet because he, he made two really important saves, from um, one from Mason Greenwood and then another um, 
from from Cristiano Ronaldo when it was two and three nil. But Liverpool were just so good in attack. I mean, it it was frightening really. Salah, absolutely spectacular performance uh, again. Um, Luke Shaw, who played well against him on a couple of occasions, looked terrified of what he might do. I think that's a measure of Salah's performances over the last couple of months. And then Firmino as well. I mean, the United defence, I mean, the, the, he was he was taking the mick really with his movements and they just didn't know what to do with him. Um, so in, in the attacking areas, I, I haven't really seen as ruthless and as effective a Liverpool performance in a big game uh, in my lifetime, which, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of games thrown into that. Yeah, I mean, I I always go back to the four one, but inevitably this tops it now, doesn't it? J- James, I think you put in your piece, which is on the Athletic now, really good read. You put winning games of this magnitude isn't meant to be this easy, and let's face it, Liverpool weren't in top gear for this. No, no. Well, let's, let's not forget that that the, you know that you you had the news a few hours before the game that there'd be no Fabino. and we know how important he is to the way that the Liverpool midfield functions. So I must admit that. That kind of like dented my, you know, optimism. You know, going to the game thinking, well, actually, I think that makes it a bit more of an even contest. No, Fabino, and then you know, of course, already without Thiago and Harvey Elliott, then then you lose Milner and Cater to injuries as well. So um, yeah, it was it, you know, and there's been do you know what you know, and people will inevitably focus on Solskjaer and you know what on earth has happened at United, but. You know, I, I just think there's been there's been many times in recent years when Liverpool have gone to Old Trafford and we've we've talked before the game about how you know I tell you what United look there for the taking you know Liverpool are in the better form Liverpool are the favourites and Liverpool haven't delivered because they've they've been I've, you know I've, I've been there under Klopp and it's it almost felt like they've played the the badge rather than the actual team in front of them they've almost been a bit inhibited inhibited by their surroundings shown them a bit too much respect. Um, you know, for context, let's not forget you know, Liverpool had gone eight trips to Old Trafford without winning between 2014 and, and that game back in May. And yeah, of course, everyone enjoyed that 4-2 win in May, but it wasn't it wasn't huge, was it? Because, you know, for a start, it was behind closed doors. Also, that was a much more important game for Liverpool than it was for United at the back end of the season. United didn't really have anything to play for. This, this was the stakes were so much higher. And 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 you know for all United's issues, you know they've still got an array of world class attacking players who can hurt you, and that's why, despite the shambles that they are as a unit, that they're still able to to win games. So they still posed a threat. But when Liverpool are in that mood, you know it was it was just an absolute mismatch. I think it it, it was just a bunch of individuals against a slick, well drilled unit. You know, and, and the biggest difference for me between the two clubs is the identity of the two men at the helm. Because, you, you know, you look at United, and you know they're just unable to do even the basics right defensively, and the shape of the team looks so so bad compared to compared to you know what Klopp has created at Liverpool, where everyone knows exactly what's expected of them, and you know, and you you really sense that unity and hunger and desire amongst them that they're all fighting for each other and. Um, you know, I, I thought that kind of that shone through as well in the reaction when you know Ronaldo decided he was going to kick lumps out of Curtis Jones. You know, you see the way in which they're there for each other. They're, they are, you know, there is a close bond, and and that you know that that for me was in stark contrast to 
to what they were up against. And um, that was yeah, that was to, the bit to, where Virgil came over and <laughs> chest barged them, wasn't yeah, it? It was, it, was it, was, like... it was very much you mess with you mess with Curtis, you mess with me. And um, you know, I think we all we all love that. And um, yeah, and, and when like that's that's also not forget that rewind two months and a lot of Liverpool fans, especially on social media, were flapping about United. They were saying, you know, you know, you know, they've oh, you know, after signing Ronaldo, you know, what was it, 130 million, another 130 million thrown at that squad, you know, Varane, Jaden Sancho. Um, you know, it was it was, you know, are we gonna get left behind by United? You know, that because also United finished above Liverpool last season. It's not like it's you know that you we shouldn't under appreciate what we witnessed at Old Trafford on Sunday because um, that truly was remarkable and it's a day we'll never forget. It's quite hard, Si, to to sort of put yourself in the mind of a, of a Liverpool player before they play at United. And actually, I was talking with Stephen Warnock at an event yesterday and he said to me, he said, you don't lose this game in the tunnel. He said, you lose it in the days before because mentally you either sort of psych yourself out of that fixture or you believe you're just much better than the opposition. And it, it's really interesting what it says about Liverpool, how good a team they are. James uses that word unity, just how strong and slick they are at the moment. Yeah, I must say I did enjoy that, that moment when, as James said, Van Dijk showed up. But not just Van Dijk, uh, Canate as well just uh, appeared. The two of them, like, pair of medieval jailers, and shut down the conversation. <laughs> you know, Canate hasn't played many games for Liverpool. I was quite intrigued by his performance uh, yesterday. I, th- I thought, you know, you can see why Liverpool have signed him. He's a very dominant-looking figure, isn't he? You know, and I think once he gets settled down, he, he could be a really good player for Liverpool. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you just can't underestimate the, the, the importance of that victory at Atletico Madrid as well. You know, on on. On um, last Tuesday, obviously two big away games, very difficult places to go. I know Liverpool won the Champions League in the in the same stadium, but it's a totally different affair when you go and play Atletico. They obviously had the joy of taking a two 0 lead, pegged back to two all. You know that big test of character at that uh, in that game to to be able to then go and win the game. I know one of the, you know the sort of you might argue that the, the decision sort of went in Liverpool's favour. But I think that would have given the team a huge amount of confidence in the days ahead of the Man United game. They'd be thinking, well, what have we got to fear, really? You know, that United aren't performing well on a bad run of form. Um, you know, they've obviously had the experience of winning on that pitch not so long ago. I, th- I think I mentioned last week that the pitch, I think, is, has been a bit of an issue for Liverpool because of the size of it. It's difficult. It's more difficult to, to sort of to press effectively as a team on that pitch. Well, I, I just thought that you know the the, the front three again. So the he was the so informed at the moment. Well, the front four, you would say, um, he was winning the ball back. You know, in the sort of the, the final sort of thirty yards of, of in front of United's goal. And when you start doing that, it puts the opposition under in, in so much pressure. Um, I thought you know Liverpool were, were, were excellent in, in, in that department and. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll give them a massive amount of confidence this run because they've had, I was just looking there, they, they played six of the last seven games away from home whilst had having an international break thrown into that. So it's a lot of travel. Uh, you know, the, the only uh, sort of disappointing result, if you like, in that run has been the Manchester City result at home when 
I actually think it was a good point for Liverpool, given the way the performance was of both teams on that day. Um, so it's been... Uh, it's, it's a lot of travel and a lot of goals, sire as well. They can't stop scoring three goals in a fixture. Well, I mean, you know, to score five goals away from home in successive weekends, whether, I mean, we all obviously thought Watford were a team destined for relegation and they went to Goodson Park and won 5-2. Um, I'm not sure what that says about Everton, to be honest, but... You know, Liverpool made um, light work of that game. I mean, again, it could have been double figures against Watford if Liverpool had really cranked up the pressure. This is the thing. Liverpool have gone to Porto, to Watford, to Old Trafford, scored five five in each stadium. You know, they've had difficulties in Watford over the last few years. It hasn't been an easy ground for Liverpool over the years under Jurgen Klopp. They've had, some, you know, they've had two really bad defeats at Vicarage Road. They've gone there and won. Obviously, the record of Porto is a lot better, but teams, other teams have gone there and not got those sorts of results. And then to win at Old Trafford, I just think it'll give them such a reference point, uh, give the players such a reference point throughout the rest of the season that they'll know now that, um, that they can beat sort of some of the biggest teams on difficult grounds. Um, and it, it gives Liverpool that experience that they had two years ago when they got, you know, they obviously beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge early on in the season. It was about a month earlier. I think that just gave them a, a lot of belief and, and, and made them realise actually, you know, we, we can definitely be in the mix at the end of the season. I mean, they are. It's, it's going to be between one of the three teams at the top at the moment. They all look very, very good. Each team has its own little weaknesses, I, I would say, but I think I can't really separate them at the moment. We could go on about Mo Salah, and I'm, I'm sure we will shortly. But I think that you know the boss reserved some special words for Roberto Firmino and, and the role that he played in this victory. Selfless work, dragging players away, linking up play, pressing, unbelievably. What was it he, he said at the end, James? Something about they'll write a book about him in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, it, it was a nice quote. He said that um, yeah, you, you could almost write a book about how. Roberto Firmino has invented that that false nine role and you know and and and, and made it his own and he was certainly I, I thought he's just at the heart of everything that was best about Liverpool on Sunday of course you know you, you run out of superlatives to 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 describe Mo Salah's form at the moment and you know, you, you you just you know the icing on the cake this week would be wouldn't it that there's some news about his contract situation because you just think the the evidence is ever more compelling with every every passing week. Why FSG simply have to get that situation sorted? But um, yeah, I, I I've been really impressed by Firmino. I think you know I I, I was worried about him last season. I I thought I I thought he had you know gone over the hill, and we were. It, it, I mean, he he did look like his days at Liverpool were numbered in terms certainly being a regular starter. I think he was he was never going to be completely cast aside. Um, because he is so so talented, but I think in terms of someone who was going to get picked for the biggest games and really influence them, it, it looked like his powers had waned, and I and, and I felt it was, you know, he's played a hell of a lot of football for me now, and in a in a in a in a short period, relatively short period of time with little breaks, with obviously his international commitments as well, um, and it certainly looked like you know he he's he's come back absolutely reinvigorated this season, you know, having had a proper break, having had a proper preseason. Um, and you know, massive credit to him because he's such a popular figure as well. You know, it's 
you know the players and the staff absolutely love him you know he lights up every room that he that he, he walks into and um and he's certainly lighting up this Liverpool team at, at the moment because um you know Clint Klopp before the game talked about him being Liverpool's connector and I think that's probably a perfect description with the way that he he drops off into those pockets of space. He, he did it time and time again yesterday, either to win the ball back or to link up play. And um, yeah, it's just just great to see because um, you know a, a, a resurgent Firmino, you know, makes Liverpool a you know a, a much more dangerous force in terms of that that challenge for glory this season. I know he scored three last week, but did it did his display side Old Trafford sort of epitomise um, that the, the a team performance. Someone who was willing to sacrifice things for everyone else in that side. Yeah, well, obviously, I was impressed by that element of it. But the thing that impressed me more was just his intelligence more than anything else. I just think that touch on it earlier. His, his movement just made it so difficult for United. The midfield players didn't know what was behind them. The the defenders didn't know whether to go and meet him higher up the pitch, and it. It, it caused that sort of disconnection between the midfield and defense, United's midfield and defence. I think it was... And when you got the ball, of course, you know, sometimes it's very hard for him in that position because it's such a crowded area of the pitch. It's not always easy to track the ball and release it as quickly as he does. And um, But he made it look easy yesterday. I mean, again, I think some, some maybe there's some mitigation or some allowances for the fact that Manchester United seemed to me to be so poorly organised, you know, that it didn't seem to me that the, the midfield, either the midfield or the defence knew who was meant to be following him, really. It was like, was it meant to be some sort of zonal situation? But I think if you if you allow that player or, or Firmino in that false nine role to get confidence in the game and become um, a significant player in any game, you're going to find yourself in big trouble. And um, that's what United did. I mean, the two midfielders, Tred and McTominay, were nowhere near him. Maguire, I mean, I, I watched him. Um, I mean, he'll look back, I think, at every single goal and think, I could have done better. Um, but a lot of that was because of Firmino dragging players each way and that way. And um, it was a brilliant performance. And I agree. I think the questions around him last season were fair. He seemed to me to be a player who was on the decline, you know, particularly when he's getting to the age that he is. But he's roared back into the uh, team this season and is playing better than ever, I would say. Though, after the last month, he's just been absolutely brilliant. Um, so it's switched the conversation from, you know, Liverpool are one striker down, uh, which, you know, I, I felt at the start of the season, I, I felt that he did need another striker. Um, so now it's like, well, which one do you leave out? Certainly not Salah, put it that way. People might argue Mane, but he's keeps scoring goals. I mean, he's been brilliant. Jota, obviously, as he does in, in most of the games that he plays, gets on the end of something and scores a goal. So Liverpool suddenly again seem like if you keep those players fit, it's difficult to argue a case for which one gets left out. And what more can you say about Mo Salah? Another ridiculous performance in a week where, and we've spoken about this on, on the pod before, James. He, he generally doesn't give too many interviews. But this week he gave one to Sky and he, he was asked about his, his future and he sort of firmly put the ball in Liverpool's court, didn't he? He threw it over to Liverpool. But then to be backed up by the, the hat-trick as well. You know, you said it before, you, you, 
everyone just wants him to be given this contract now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I thought I thought it was quite clever actually, Salah, the, what what he said because he, you know you're right. He, he did he did just you know whack that ball straight back into into Liverpool's court, didn't he? It was um, you know said that he would he would love to be at Liverpool till the final day of his career, and that um, he said it would make him sad if he ever had to play against Liverpool. Um, now, of course, you know I think. Sometimes you have to take a step back and go, well, hang on a minute. You know, it's it's not completely out of your hands because it's a negotiating process. You know, it's a two-way thing. Um, but, you know, clearly Mo Salah's hand is very, very strong and, and it's just getting stronger and stronger with every, you know, Herculean performance that that he delivers. You know, his, his numbers are absolutely ridiculous to, to the point where you think, you know, and we're not privy, obviously, to the exact numbers being discussed at the moment and... Um, but you think, you know, if you if you want to keep the best player in world football for the absolute peak years of his career, you have to pay him the going rate. And yes, that might mean breaking your wage structure. Um, it it would mean committing a huge sum, but not a huge sum in the context of how much it would cost to try and replace someone of Salah's brilliance. Because I don't think you could. And I, you know, it made me laugh last season when you know I, there were some pundits who said, you know. You know, Liverpool should be looking to buy Jaden Sancho and, and and offload Salah, and he's just like, come off it. You know, this this is a guy. Look at his numbers; they're just, you know, he's he's getting better and better season by season. He's the perfect fit for this team. You can see with the way that he's playing that as good as he's been for Liverpool, he loves being part of this club. He loves being part of this team. The the the, the players around him bring out the best in him. He's got a manager who's elevated him to that absolute. You know, lofty status he enjoys in the world game. So um, yeah, we just want to see it sorted, don't we? Um, and yeah, I still, I still think it will. I think, I, I just think there's nothing about Salah in terms of his body language or the way he's playing, which suggests anything else other than he's incredibly happy. And you know, I, I just think it's a process that we're obviously going through at the moment. We'll all be happier when it's when it's finished. But um, but yeah, it's. You, you, you look at the way that he leads his life. There's a lot of talk about whether you should give you know long extensions to players who are approaching or just gone past their thirtieth birthdays. You know we had that discussion with Genie when Aldum, didn't we? And um, but this is such a different situation. I mean Salah for a start is in a whole a whole different category to when Aldum. You know there's no parallels there in terms of his importance to the team and what he's doing. Um, and I, and I still think he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd still be doing it at 33, 34, 35. So, you know, giving him another four years, to me, is just an absolute no-brainer. There's no risk. Well, his argument or his agent's argument will be, look, if you want to replace me, you're going to have to spend 90 or 100 million. So just give me the cash. Isn't it that straightforward, si? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think at the moment... I think Liverpool, you know, Liverpool are obviously trying to ensure that they get the best deal that they want as well. Um, I do wonder whether Salah will get the money that he's supposedly after at another club. I think Liverpool question that as well. You know, given I suppose given his age, but as James said, we we know and we can see. Uh, you know, you can see by his record of, of games. He he's he very very rarely misses a minute on the pitch. Never mind a game. You know, I think if he could play every game, he would. And the way he sort of adapted his game over the last um, last three years, he's not 
he's not the sort of performer that he was in his first season at Liverpool when it did feel like a lot of his 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 success was based on the pace that he had. His he still got that, of course. He's still a very quick player, but his his um his movements, his understanding of the game and the position has improved. His finishing has improved massively. Um, so for me, he's he's one of those sort of rare players who you just sort of think is going to get better, better with age, really. Um, so I mean, I, I'm of the same view of James. I think you don't get many of these players coming around very often. You don't see a player playing to the level that he's at, like that Salah's at at the moment, at the very very peak of his game in the Premier League. Never mind just at Liverpool. You know, he's the very, very highest level of the game at the moment. He's unstoppable, I think. I said before about Luke Shaw. Has performed well against him in the past. He's obviously struggling with confidence a little bit at the moment. But he just looks terrified of what Salah might be able to do. And I think that's a reflection of, of his status, really, at the moment. So, um, I mean, if you're asking for information as to what's going on, where we're up to, I'll look at Rami Abbas's Instagram account every day. And he seems to be enjoying a lot of nice... Meals in Monte Carlo and London, and constantly questioning whether he's having conversations with Michael Edwards. But the, the 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 big the big sort of question that hasn't really been asked, I think, is obviously with with the question marks around Edwards' future and what what um what he might do. Obviously, it seems as though he might leave the club in the summer. Um, I, I would feel sorry for his successor having to deal with the delivery of that news. If it's not, if the, the contract's not agreed by the summer, and he does turn out that he's going to leave, whoever his successor is is going to be, unfortunately, the man who you know potentially let Salah go. It's it's not a very nice position to be in. So I I think that Liverpool as a club need to recognise that, and um, if they're going to give him the contract, which I think they should, they've, they've got to get a move on, um, because if they risk at the moment they risk losing, you know, Wijnaldum. Edwards, Salah and Klopp in successive summers, just constantly talking about departures. I don't think that 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 won't that won't help Liverpool, you know, in the when it comes to the discussions and the atmosphere around the club. I, I think they've got to think about that a little bit. Um but yeah, ho- hopefully hopefully something will get done. I think Salah needs to maybe tailor his expectations to some degree. Because if he really wanted to stay, as James says, he would he would make some concessions. I, I don't think he's going to get what he's got at Liverpool elsewhere, I've got to be honest, in terms of the status in the team, the profile of the club at the moment. You know, Why would you want to play for another another club unless it's a lifestyle choice? That's the only thing that I can think of, really. So, hopefully, you'll realise that. Let's put the spotlight on a, a couple of other great performances. And uh, Naby Keita, sensational. I mean, you know, there's there's been games where he's had criticism, but really that was probably the best of him, wasn't it, James? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I thought it was the, the perfect response to to what happened in midweek when you know, he, he had a, a very erratic night, I'd say, against Atletico. Of course, you know, the spectacular volley, but then... The role he played in Atletico's goals, which obviously led to, to Klopp taking him off at half time. And it was interesting listening to Klopp afterwards because he, he said that he said that he felt that Naby had been he, I think he used the word shattered by the mistakes 
that, that had led to those Atletico goals and that and that, that had almost affected his performance, um, you know, leading to obviously Klopp deciding to make that substitution. But he said, you know, he's been in fantastic shape and, and we made the decision to, to to start him again and that faith was well and truly rewarded. I mean, you know, there's been there was there's been big games this season where he hasn't been a part of it. You know, Klopp didn't use him against Chelsea at home or City at home. Um, you know, of course, the midfield options are depleted a bit at the moment, but it was it was just brilliant to see Cater step up and deliver in, in a game that big. Um, and yeah, it was just obviously the the downside of it was that he was you know his afternoon was was cut short because it was you know it was a horrible horrible challenge from Pogba. I don't quite I didn't really understand why Anthony Taylor whether he was unsighted. I'm not sure initially because as soon as it happened, I just thought well, that's that's red. You know, he's gone over the ball. He's caught him high. You know, it's it, he has to go. Um, yeah, you know, he had to go to the monitor before he, he finally turned that yellow into red. But so cruel to see Cater stretch it off like that. But um, but yeah, it, it felt like a real important step forward for him. You know, to to burst onto that Salah pass and and tuck away the first one, and then you know, to I thought he was very intelligent with the ball in to create the the third goal. Um, Liverpool's third, Salah's, Salah's first one, and he, he was he was right in the thick of it. I mean, as Simon touched on earlier, Liverpool absolutely dominated that midfield area, um, you know, and and he was a big part of that. Naby Keita. So, um, yeah, we're obviously waiting for news on the severity of the injury. Really, really hope that it, it's not going to keep him out for too long, um, because you know if he continues to perform like that, then you know the the debate about whether he he starts in Liverpool's first choice midfield when the big games come along. Just, you know, it is made irrelevant because, you know, of course he is. He'd be one of the first names on the team sheet if he continues to perform like that, both on the ball and, and off the ball. And, um, you know, talking about the midfield, I think, you know, you'd have to reserve a very special mention for, for the captain as well because, you know, that that pass for um, for, for, for Salah's hat-trick goal, I mean, that, you know, I, I thought we'd seen the pass of the season when when Salah put put that one on the plate for Sadio Mane early on at Vicarage Road a week earlier, but that surpassed it for me. I mean, the, the technique and the weight on it, um, you know, it, it reminded me of you know Steven Gerrard, it, you know, his absolute sublime best. It was just just you know, and and it's the kind of pass that you know, there's you know, if if Messi or someone else had delivered that kind of assist, it would just get played on repeat all week and. Um, you know, Jordan Henderson sometimes, you know, gets damned with faint praise for his, you know, his leadership and his his work ethic and everything else. But you know, he also possesses real quality, and he he showcased that with that pass. The performance of the referee, I thought, was abysmal. By the way, I, I thought when Pogba got sent off for United, they they could have already had three players sent off in the game, and the referee for some reason didn't see. You know, decided to, to to only book the players. I mean, Ronaldo for for what he did on Curtis Jones was violent conduct, as far as I I'm concerned. You know, kicking a player on the floor, kicking a ball into a player when he's on the floor is violent. Oh, conduct. scandalous! Should have been sent off. Bruno Fernandez, first minute in the second half, nearly potential end of season challenge that he made could have, could have broken the player's leg. Then Harry Maguire. I mean, whether he was just you know, felt some sense of sympathy for him as the last man. It's a red card. Why is he not sent off? And then Pogba, he wasn't even going to send him off until he went to the VAR camera. I mean, 
Jürgen Klopp would have every right to be absolutely furious about his performance because he ends up with a player who's actually, you know, who's, who's played really, really well, potentially getting a serious injury because the referees allowed all these challenges to ride um, by not by not giving the, the decisions that should have been made. I, I mean, I'm not really one to, to highlight referees' bad performances because I do think they have a much tougher role than, than most people think, but to get that number of decisions wrong <laughs> and for Liverpool still to win 5-0, I think it just adds to the adds to the absolute madness of the conversation, really. Right, let's finish with things that we'll remember in future that really put the smile on our face on this day. James was lucky enough to be in there, so he'll tell us about the fans in a moment. The one thing that will permanently stick with me is the TV director's choice to put Sir Alex Ferguson's <laughs> face on there, grimacing, and then to go to a laughing Sir Kenny Dalglish. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Turned into a meme and, and sort of... St- Summed up everything, didn't it, Sai? Sir Alex to Sir Kenny. Yeah, well, I don't know whether I'm lifting this off somebody else. Uh, maybe I saw it on social media, but it did make me think of like um, you know the, the the sort of the, the Boxing Day drinks where one one person's had a bit too much to drink and the other one has had too much food. You know, it looked like Alex Ferguson was going to explode, um, which. Which, you know, it was it was it was brilliant TV. I mean, I, I think I think it, that sort of feeds in really why why this result was a special one for Liverpool, and it, it goes back against that that 2014 game. You know, and I think at that time, you know, United had won the league. won the league, sorry, the season before, of course. Like this victory is eight years later. United are nowhere near the league title now. You know, they're, they're absolutely miles behind. Um. I can't see them winning a title for a number of years unless you change the manager and get some balance into the midfield. It's going to be very hard for them to catch up, I think. I think that's that's why this this victory feels so special for Liverpool because you know it's eight years like it's, you know eight years is a long time. I don't know whether the conversation's happening, but when I think about when Liverpool didn't win the league between 1990 and 1998, like, it's a long time. You know, it's eight years, so. I think to beat them with such style um, and so convincingly on the home patch after such a long time without them winning the league title, I think it just really reinforces just how far behind, how far United have fallen. And for Liverpool, obviously, that that, um, that, that must be, you know, that, well, that is a great feeling. James, talk to us about the travelling cop. I mean, where, where you sit in the press area there, and you, you know, we've been there, you, you get the perfect view. They're just on your right-hand side. Very special day for them. What, what will you remember about those supporters who were lucky enough to be in there? <laughs> yeah, do you know what? One of the best Liverpool away ends I've, I've ever seen. And, and funny enough, I got a message off a lad last night who was amongst those 3,000, and he's been going everywhere for 20, 25 years. And... Maybe maybe it was the beer talking, but he said it was it was his favourite ever away day, um, following following the club. Because I think, especially when you put it in the context of how much Liverpool have struggled there over the years, you know, I think it's sixteen Premier League defeats at Old Trafford more than uh, any other venue, um, in the in the modern era. So I think the the one moment I think <laughs> I think I'll probably take to my grave is the um is the singing of Liverpool, Liverpool taking the piss as as Sky's cameras pan to <laughs> the sight of hundreds and hundreds of Man United fans leaving the ground. 
and that was that was at half time as the players walked off and and it you know it was it, it really was rub your eyes just to check it's really happening stuff to, you know to, for Liverpool to be four 0 up at Old Trafford at half time and um, and then yeah the, I mean the second half was just pure party time I had to laugh when the PA announcer said you know this is a special request Liverpool fans you know, must stay behind after the final whistle. And it's like, I don't think you needed to ask that. You know, they're not in a rush to go anywhere. They could have, they would have happily still been there now if you, if they would uh, be allowed to. So, um, yeah, you think, you know, chastening, obviously for Solskjaer, you know, the, the Ollie's at the wheel and Ollie must stay and Ollie give us a wave and all the rest of it. But yeah, for those Liverpool fans, just, just absolute dreamland. You know, it's, there's no better place to win. And, 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 to win in such historic fashion, you know, they'll be able to say I was there. And was that theatre from Jurgen when he started to walk off without giving the fist pumps, and then he oh, yeah. and then he turned round? Yeah, definitely. He Masterful. Knows, he knows how to, he knows how to play to the galleries, doesn't he? He was, uh, yeah, he was because the, the the fans were. He, he knew that the fans were, that that's what they wanted, and he, yeah, he, he shaped to walk away, and then and then darted back to give give those fist pumps. So. Um, yeah, just a brilliant moment, and you know what is it? You know, unity is strength, isn't it? Is the banner on the cop, and you really felt that yesterday. You know the you know the players playing for each other. You know the an elite manager that you just wouldn't swap for anyone, and a and a fan base that inspires those on the pitch to hit ever greater heights. So it um yeah, it's you know Liverpool obviously will face much tougher tests than Man United this season. United aren't a threat in terms of getting that title back, but. In terms of sending out a, a statement of intent to, to Chelsea and City, you know that that was absolutely perfect. Special day, special performance, special result as well. Uh, brilliant red agenda. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. My thanks to Simon Hughes and James Pierce as always. James's piece on the match is uh, on the site now, so check it out. Of course, the red agenda will be back later this week after that Preston game and pre Brighton. We'll see you then. <laughs>